Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Stories of Selling Human podcast, another episode. I'm your host, Alex Smith, and I started this podcast because I believe everyone in the world will someday be faced with a situation, could be business, could be even personal, that requires you to, to create change. I think we all want to be heard, seen, and understood. And I think the people who get our attention and convince, persuade, or influence us, they are not just salespeople. (laughs) There are great humans throughout all walks of life that we're drawn to, and I'm going to share their stories so we can tap into what makes us human, practice our human skills, and ultimately we'll all become better at selling by being human. All right, gang, I am super excited. This is going to be the first time that we bring in what we'd all like to call or probably define as a traditional salesperson. They are in the world of sales. They have a quota. They are in their careers have been in sales. So I'd like to, what I've been doing is put bringing on people that are completely the opposite of what most people would think of as a salesperson to talk about ways that they convince, persuade, and influence others. And this is the first salesperson. So we're going to switch off each week and, and kind of uh, get some context around how we move others and how we convince others in a traditional and non-traditional sales setting. So the person that I have on today, I met back in October, so just a, six months ago at a sales conference, and he drew me to him. He's a director of franchise development for an IT services company, and he can talk a little bit about what he does. He also is a coach for the Sales Rebellion, and he's you know had a long career throughout different sales positions in finance and you know in HR, technology, software, and you know he is just somebody who I got drawn to by his amazing presentation of how he talks a lot about your purpose and you know why we're doing what we're doing, and he ended off with an awesome, an epic, you know what I want to say is just kind of you know a visual, <laughs> we'll say a visual technique to bring us all in and kind of wrap it all up. He is none other. Please give it a round of applause for Jack Wilson. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Jack. I love it. I feel I feel hyped up. After listening to the way you describe the podcast, though, I'm concerned because we talk about us salespeople as they a lot. And but I think mm. you didn't break your rule so much because I I don't necessarily think I would be considered by most as to to be the definition of what most salespeople are. I'm actually a person that's trying to change what that stigma is and and kind of bring sales back to the noble place where it belongs. So I'm excited to be here. You said it's been six months. And honestly, I feel like I've known you for years. It's been a quick (laughs) six months. And I know we've, we've talked a lot, a bunch of awesome different topics. And obviously the world has changed under our feet during that. So there's so much for us to talk about. Yeah. No, thank you so much. It, I want to be challenged. That's all about what this is about. And yeah, I agree. I don't think every person that, you know, so people just kind of taking a step back for a second, people that haven't ever had a job where you were required to, you know, meet a, a quota, meet a goal. And, you know, your whole job is based around, you know, profits and what you're trying to convince people to do. And you're bound by a number. What people may define that as that's a sales job. But I think the people that I'm going to bring on to this, people like you that are real great human beings and, you know, what you said about bringing sales back to a noble place is it's always been between two humans 
always from the beginning of time if you're convincing someone to do something it's being done between two humans at least i'd like to think it has been and you know i think the people that always have done it well are people that really deeply try to understand people and not all salespeople they may say they do but not all do that so that's why i want to bring on people that i think are really you know good at that and talk about how they do it. And so I love how you kind of said, <laughs> I don't want to be lumped into all salespeople because I'm trying to change the game and it, and it needs to be changed. And it's so true. Actually, I have a, a phrase that I use. I call it most salespeople. <laughs> um, and, and it's, you know, it's not meant to insult a no. vast many people in our field, but it's just trying to say, hey, like there's a large group of people that are not being self-reflective enough to understand what it means to be in sales, what the true nature of it is, and what those human-to-human skills are. You know, it's, it's that same could be applied to people in, in non-sales roles, to your point. You mentioned that when you define a salesperson, it's someone who has goals, their metrics are driven by numbers, you know, they have things that they have to report to. Isn't that everybody? I mean, in, in no matter yeah, what role you I are, totally agree. you can color it whatever way you want. You can call the goals different things, but we all have a purpose we all have a reason for executing in our jobs. We all have to report to somebody. We all have expectations put on us. So understanding how we deliver those things and how we communicate them to the people that need them from us most, isn't that just sales? Yeah, totally. And everyone is doing it and people kind of resist it. People think it's it has to define some type of one-upping or some type of you know, I'm winning, you know, at all costs or I'm you're getting something from me that I didn't want to give up. And you know, no, it's really leaving people better off in the end because you took time to really deeply understand their world and really genuinely you had a desire to, uh, you know, to help them in some way. And so, and I think what you said, we're all, we're in some way, we're all, you know, we're all bound by that. We're all connected in some way because of that. So that's what I want to dig into and talk about with you. So, I have my first question for you. So, you know, how I like to do these with these interviews, kind of breaking it up, talking about who the human you are is, because every single human being is different and it has different approaches to how they influence and convince others. And so we'll learn about you and kind of what your approach is. And we'll talk about how that reveals itself in your, you know, in your walk of life. And then we'll kind of, you know, play some, have some fun at the end. All right. So I guess my first question is, Jack, tell me what you love most about what you get to do every day with your career. What do you love? It's a great question. Yeah. Great question. So I, I call myself station changer. I genuinely believe that no matter what station in life you were born into, you presently find yourself in, maybe because of circumstances outside of your control, you've slid into, no matter that situation, you can change your station and you could do it through self-improvement, personal development, through hard work and meritocracy and a couple of other different ways. You could do it through community and you could do it through sharing your talents and seeking others to share their talents with you. So for me, it's being able to do those things, you know, finding individuals that are open to it. You know, not everyone is actually open to coaching or open to reflecting deeply upon themselves. So finding the people that I can kind of sense, hey, there's some potential in you. You have the ability to change that station. Helping them to realize that first, helping them to basically 
figure out what their potential is and believe in that potential and then arm them with the tools, whether it's through coaching personally, through coaching in a sales career, helping them find their reason, their purpose, and then moving them toward that potential and enabling them to achieve that new station that they desire for themselves. I love that. And I've been trying to do that and have done that successfully in various different stages of my life. So it's really just taking those experiences and sharing them with other people to you know, allow them to kind of maybe skip some of the, the pitfalls and to get some fast tracks around some of the best success they can find in doing that and, and just getting the life that they want. That's awesome. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I said in the beginning kind of, you know, we'll all be faced with situations where we need to create change, whether it's with others, ourselves. You talked on a previous podcast, I think one time about, you know, sometimes like the hardest or maybe the easiest sales sometimes is, is an internal. It's with ourselves, convincing ourselves of certain things. I'm curious when you say that kind of, you know, you get really fired up with trying to help people get to where they want to be or where they think they, where they don't even think they could go and, and you help them, you know, get there and you help them believe, believe that they can get there. What do you look for? This is almost two questions. What do you look for in people that signals to you that they want to change? And what do you look for in people in maybe yourself that signals, maybe I should look to change? You know, what are the signals that you look for? Because sometimes we can get caught up in, you know, yeah, I want to be here to help people change. But like you said, not everyone wants to, to change or it's hard for people to think that they need to. Well, and I think change is a real tricky word too, because people feel a lot of different ways about the word change and about change itself. So for me, I'm not looking for people who are looking for change. You know, I like kind of prefer to it as growth or learning or development. And honestly, the easiest way to find those people is individuals who are genuinely curious. You know, I think one of the reasons that you and I actually came together as friends is you spent a lot of time hanging around the crowd of people that we were interacting with at the sales summit, just asking questions and not like stupid, like surface level, hey, how you doing? Look at me. I can hang in a conversation question, like deep questions about, hey, like you said this thing. I want to know more about that. Give me some specifics. Give me a tangible example. And on the other side is you asked how I kind of identify in myself well, if I'm not willing to take a step back and to assess, how do I feel about these things? How do I address these things? Am I full of crap? Am I actually saying things that sound <laughs> cute and because other people don't know them, it's quote unquote valuable? Or do I actually do the deep work to test it, to measure it, to put it into practice? And then once you find that person who's genuinely curious, it's important to identify if you do share knowledge, if you're willing to walk down a path with them, are they taking that knowledge or that learning or that advice and are they applying it mm -hmm. or are they even wrestling over it? Because just because you give someone advice, like who am I to give you mm -hmm. advice? Anyone. Like yeah. everyone's life is so different. Everyone's context is different and that advice might not be directly applicable to you. So you don't have to take it, but you should at least wrestle with it and, mm -hmm. and seeing individuals take, whether it's advice or conversations and yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And then they kind of keep going and doing the same things. Those are people that are, are much harder to change and develop because they've got self-work to do. 
So I'm looking for the folks that are at least open to or have already started their own self-work and they're looking to get those outside perspectives and they want to take action to achieve something different and new. Yeah. It's so important to kind of, yeah. I mean, like you said, being curious is, you know, people like to say, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm curious. I'd like to know things. I'd like to, I'm interested in that, but they don't take the actions to go deeper on certain things. Like you said, and try to get specific. So sometimes you just, if you're genuinely curious, you're constantly asking more questions <laughs> to try to get more answers, right? Like for I mean, you. Yeah, and that's the yeah. other thing is the intention behind the questions. So talk about why people don't want to be considered sales professionals and why people in non-sales roles, I think, struggle using sales techniques and practices because the intention is usually misaligned. So I actually coach when, when I coach salespeople, I say, when you make a cold call, for example, what's your intent? And their answer is always, 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 well, to book an appointment. No, it's never to book an appointment. You don't even know that the person answering the phone with you is going to be the person you want to have an appointment with. So like peel it back a little bit. Your tertiary goal is always the, the appointment, but there's got to be some other intentions there, like to learn who you're talking to, to learn about the person you're talking to, what's their role. For me, I think I've been so successful in sales because I always call myself the Mr. Rogers of sales. And yeah, I'm definitely aging myself. The gray beard, we'll give that away. But remember when Mr. Rogers used to put the tape in the painting and it would like take you to like a manufacturer and it would show yep. you how yep. something is made. Yep. For me, like in every sales role I've been in, I get to be Mr. Rogers. I get to learn how the widget is made, how specifically they, they do the thing that is their core competence. And if that is one of your intentions about business or about a person that's how you develop empathy, which is like the biggest skill you can have when, it, when being in sales conversations. Talk about non-sales environments. You know, if I'm working in a department within a company and I'm trying to convey an idea to a different department, what makes that department tick? Look, we all have the same logo and brand on the wall, but within our own departments and our own silos, we've got our own goal. We've got our own mission within the mission. So understanding what someone else's mission is, but then being genuinely curious as to, well, how are you going about achieving that mission? What are the different parts? What are their roles? What does your day-to-day -day look like? How do you physically or tangibly get that task achieved? And the more curious you are about their life, not because you want to use that information against mm -hmm. them, but mm -hmm. just so you know, that will help you frame the way you deliver information to them and ultimately help you compellingly convey that information almost as though it's a sale. Yeah. <laughs> so much you just said. I mean, I think, yeah, a lot of people, they misalign their intent, you know, like you said, with the cold calling example. I mean, not going that deep with people doesn't always, doesn't have to be for any agenda. You could not, it should be, I would argue like what you just said, without agenda, with your only agenda as learning, as peeling back layers and whether or not you're ever going to transact something, do business, get something, whatever you have, it guides your conversation. It guides your, you know, all your, you know, kind of path of what you're questioning and the path of, of your growth and your learning by just doing that is because you're going to find out information you've, you yourself didn't realize you even were looking for. 
you're like it's not even like important information to be honest but it's okay like yeah my my wife is hilarious she we're walking down like you know we're all quarantined right now social distancing yeah so we're trying to take a walk every day at lunch get outside move around i do it at the end of the day yeah 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 and I, i i was telling her something about something like i don't even remember because it was totally pointless but i probably saw something that made me think of this and she looks at me and she's like you know you you know the most like random useless stuff sometimes <laughs> and i was like i think it's just because i'm genuinely curious about things but it was funny because you know what she said to me afterwards she said you got to stop telling me these things because every time you tell me something i have to delete something that was important to me to make room for the new thing so <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's t- <laughs> i can i can uh, probably relate to her a little bit because every time i talk to you 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 have multiple rounds of just really, really impactful, useful information. So I'm trying to, yeah, you know, you want to take it all in and remember it all. Well, all right. So how does, you know, you went through a lot of really awesome human skills. Empathy is probably the biggest one you you said. And I've heard that from multiple people have been on this already and listening and being curious, curious. And you actually went into some really awesome ways you practice that yourself maybe talk a little bit about how it reveals itself in your sales career. So what ways have, you know, human skills revealed themselves to you? You didn't even think that you were using them, but maybe certain situations where using some of these soft skills, we'll call them, or human skills, you know, served you well throughout your sales career. And why do you think that's been? Well, I mean, I think for starters, we all have a personal brand and I'm not talking about the buzzworthy sense of it nowadays where everyone's on LinkedIn establishing who they are and kind of sharing what their most important premises are. We've all had a personal brand all along and it's generally what the opinion of others have of us. And, you know, although different people or different groups of people in different settings might have a different impression of you, you basically have a blended average of who you are. And you know, if you're pretty authentic in your day to day, then you present yourself the same way in every setting. And that blended average will start to become apparent. So for me, early, early on in my career, it was understanding that what people thought of me was far more important than my company, my product or my service, even my opinion or my point of view on something. And when I say what they thought of me, it's not their you know, vanity opinion about, you know, oh, he's a nice guy or he's this or he's kind of a jerk. His jokes aren't that good. All of those are true. Um, <laughs> but it was what they felt they could rely on me for. So early on in my career, setting the right expectations was huge. You know, I learned that if you set an improper expectation and you weren't able to live up to it, no matter what that gap was, you know, everyone always says under promise over deliver. Even sometimes that false expectation, that delta between the expectation and the, the results causes friction and causes someone to be upset because it, you, they didn't get what they were expecting. So making sure people always know what to expect from me and then trying to consistently deliver on those expectations, that's always important. I always early on wanted to develop the personal reputation for someone who could be relied on to get it done, whatever it might be. And that takes, you know, stick that takes being organized, making sure you're committed to it. It takes developing the skill to say no, because mm-hmm. if you're saying yes to everyone, eventually you're going to drop some balls and you're not going to be able to execute on things. So making sure I was deliberate in who I said yes to, what type of commitments I was making to make sure that I could always live up to those. 
And then just being a man of my word. You know, if I said I felt a certain way or that my belief system was a certain way, if I come and I show a behavior that's opposite to that, you're going to lose trust and credibility. So being honest with myself personally about what my brand is and then walking the walk was very important. So I think those are kind of some of the core fundamentals that I started to lay early on. And I'll be honest, the better you do them over time, the cumulative effect of you just doing what you say, it becomes easier for you to just execute on that and to be more authentic and to be more genuine. You're not hiding from anyone. You're not covering your tracks from anything. You're just being an honest, integral human being. Yeah, totally. It's second nature. You know, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious to me when you have the opposite, right? Like, and you have somebody that you can't necessarily count on for things, or maybe they miss certain calls and and we're not all perfect and things like that. But if you kind of, you know, that you're less drawn to those people, you know, you're less connected, you're, and that's what this is all about. How do you, you know, get people to kind of listen and hear you is you, you know, those are such important things. If you're somebody that somebody can just simply count on, you're not in sales, but you, you know, someone can rely on you. They feel like, wow, this person actually is invested in me. And when, you know, they feel in that you're invested in them, they will start doing more for you because your kind of shared experiences are, you know, they're just that they're shared and you both have, you know, some buy-in with each other. And it doesn't mean you have to hug everybody you work with. I mean, when it, thinking about what I just said, I realized like I can be, I could be a giant pain in the ass to yes. work with and to work for. And we're imperfect. Yeah. But the thing is, is I, I think when, when people see that I'm being, you know, either hard of them or, you know, demanding like better of them, they know the place it comes from. Mm. And so that's the other part of kind of having your brand. If someone knows that's you, and they know why you do those things and what drives you. It's not a popularity contest. It's the true core values that you, you display. So it's funny. I have a couple of friends that actually work for me, which is the best, mm. the biggest privilege in the world I've had. And also like the heaviest burden because I take that stuff seriously. Having somebody's like livelihood depend on any part of my ability to enable them or to support them. It's like a heavy, heavy decision. But even my friends know like, I know working for him is not going to be a cakewalk, but I know why he's driving me. It's not because of what I want. It's because I know what they want and I want to empower them to get it. And I'm not going to let themselves off the hook. Like it's not me holding them accountable. I'm going to help them hold themselves accountable because it's their goals at the end of the day. No matter what career you're in, if you can identify what drives somebody and then you align their goals with your company's goals, then you win and everyone wins because you're just helping them achieve ultimately what they want from life. And then everyone else's goals underneath it are getting swept up in the tide. That's really how to win is to put their goals first and to just make sure everything aligns behind it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> real change. I mean, people, real goals are achieved by the person, by individuals. It has to come from individuals. And if you, you know, genuinely take yourself out of it, you can't, for, I get into the worst, the worst fights with my wife. I'll just say that I'm probably going to get into a fight for saying this, but have been when I'm like, no, like I don't, I'm trying to change her or she's trying to change me or I'm, you know, like 
resistant to something that she's said or something. And we don't, you know, understand where the other person's coming from. You know, there's a quote, the golden rule, right? You know, is great. Do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. But, you know, those of you that know the platinum rule is kind of, you know, a step up from that is do unto others as they would want done unto themselves. So you take yourself kind of out of it. And it's really just all about what others want. Others could want the exact opposite of what you think that they need, but that doesn't matter because it comes from them. It is all about them. I heard a really cool technique about that. I I feel bad that I don't remember where. I think I either read in a book or heard it on a podcast, but what you can do is you always have self-talk, you know, like your thoughts when you're going through these situations are typically your first response is emotional. And so step one, be able to identify when you're having an emotional response and address it in your head, not out loud for the love of God. (laughs) But the next step is (laughs) instead of thinking, so like, what the hell, Alex, that's not like, why is he doing this? Why is he acting this way? And instead of doing that, start to kind of put yourself almost like in a third person and say, well, what would he want out of that? If he acted this way, what would the outcome be? And actually look at yourself like a third person. So instead of thinking, well, I hate that, or I don't want him to think that way, or I want her to understand my opinion, instead put yourself in the third person and go, well, if I said, or if, if he, which is me, if he said this, how would she likely react? And like you start to kind of separate yourself emotionally and almost put yourself on a different plane and you can look at the problem from a third party point of view. Now, look, this all has to happen really, really fast. And it takes a lot of development and practice and patience to do it. Yeah. But it's, it's funny because when you put yourself in that third person point of view and you start to wonder, well, why would they say that? Why did they feel that way? But they as you, you start to get a way better understanding of when you're acting rationally or emotionally and being able to try to steer your ship in the right direction. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you take yourself out of the equation, you just, I always say this stuff. All right. Like, let me, like, let me kind of, you know, just take an outsider's view of this. Why would, you know, here I've said stuff like the story I'm telling myself is you're doing this because of this. Tell me if that's true. And if it's not, let's talk about why, but that's what I'm telling myself, but that could be totally untrue. But I like that. You know, inception kind of, now. I feel yeah. like you're Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. <laughs> uh, we don't have to go that deep. Well, what are the things that you would kind of advise for non like, you know, I hate now I'm kind of like questioning my whole pod, you know, podcast of calling salespeople salespeople, but <laughs> non traditional, what 99% of the world would consider non sales, as in you don't have a quota, your job is not based on a you know, a specific have to sell this for X, you know, so non-salespeople in that category, what things would you tell them to kind of advise them to, let's, you know, say what human skills and what things would you tell them to convince them that they can, in fact, be good at convincing or selling, persuading others to do certain things? Well, I think for starters, you should never be trying to convince or persuade someone of something. And that's going to sound crazy. Yeah. But if you replace the word sales with helping others, and then you do all of the same behaviors, what you're really trying to do when you're in a non-sales role, think about the things that you need to accomplish on a day-to-day basis. You, you're either trying to convey an idea 
and maybe begin a new process. Maybe you have a way you want to change your current processes. Maybe you're trying to communicate that a particular environment or situation is not working for you, or you have an idea for how it can work better. Or let's just say you're collaborating across multifunctional teams. The end goal is always to help someone else. So most of us present ourselves in our roles trying to get done what we want to get done. But if you flip that on its head and you go to work every day and you try to help other people get done what they need to get done, that's going to be a huge shift for you. Because at the end of the day, what you do is a critical cog in that greater machine. But just forget your piece and give and help and get other people's problems solved because ultimately the vehicle to do that is going to be through your piece of that pie. But if you focus on others through empathy, figure out what is it that they need done, what can I do better to help them do that, how can my processes improve to do that, and then you communicate in a you-first language, you're going to see people's reactions toward you, their willingness to help you in return, and ultimately your, your collaboration across those teams improve drastically because yeah. people will start to look at you and say, he's not worried about number one. You know, every time Jack comes mm-hmm. to me, he just wants mm-hmm. to get done what Jack needs. Instead, they're going to say, man, this guy's always trying to help me get things done. Mm-hmm. I need him mm-hmm. on my team. I want him on my team. And I'm willing to do the same that he is to get this done. And that's how you build collaborative, strong collaborative teams, in my opinion. I agree. Do you think there will be a day when we won't call it the sales department? It will be the helping department. <laughs> So first of all, I have a funny relationship with words. I happen to be like, I don't like when people tie themselves so strongly to a word. I was literally having that the conversation today. I was watching somebody already. It's only nine. (laughs) Oh, already. I mean, I was watching the news and they were like, we shouldn't call it social distancing. We should call it physical distancing. And the reason I have a problem with that is not the word what we should have is a general understanding of what we actually want done. The word doesn't matter. If you're struggling with what to call it, your real problem is you failed to communicate the outcome you desire properly. So don't change the word, change the way you're communicating what you want from people. And typically when we get tied up in like word games and we shouldn't call it sales, we should call it growth. You know, you're not the chief sales officer, you're the chief revenue officer like all of these titles in these words, like don't change the title, change what you want from them, change their responsibilities, change the very specific criteria that you're expecting them to fulfill. And then the words will all fall in the line. The words are just keep dressing on top of the the French pastry. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, no, I don't think people should run away from sales. Selling happens. And that's what I'm trying to kind of define, you know, the title. I went through a lot of different titles, but I think stories of selling human is apt because it is these, you know, it's how you sell is what I'm curious at. How salespeople sell and how people that have would consider themselves non-salespeople sell and people that are non-salespeople and say, I, I don't sell. That's not what I do. Well, no, it's not the the name isn't what you do. It's the outcome and the path to get to your result. We all do it. We're all in interviews. We all go to interviews. That's all a sale. We're all, you know, doing things with our friends and spouses. And when we're going out, we're doing these things, but you can call it whatever you want, but it's the, it is so much in how you do it and the outcome, which I'm trying to dig into. And I feel like we did a lot today. So I I thank you so much for 
digging into it with me. I feel like <laughs> and, and I, fr- I feel putting like a framework. Conversations go so fast. Like I can't <laughs> I believe it's been forty, almost forty-five minutes already. I'm like, I know. We I need know. tell a novella to cover all the deep thoughts that we could go through in, in a day. <laughs> I totally know. I, you every podcast, I feel like I listen to you on. It's like oh, Jack. We need to get you on another one. We need to have a series with Jack Wilson. <laughs> I'm just a we guy. Just, I don't get yeah, it. I'm not even so that interesting. Truth bombs. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's cool. You know, I think you said it. So we didn't even get to your your framework, and I have to at least talk about it because you said one of the things in in your your whole presentation where I first met you was all about this framework concept of um, you know how what drives us in life and you know kind of how we find our purpose in life and and all these things coming together this japanese phrase called ikigai where you know you find what you you love what your purpose is what you can get paid for what the world needs and you said if one person one just one there's a hundred some people in the room can pronounce ikigai or says ikigai <laughs> after this i've done i've won i've done my job so you know i can you know tell you now that you have because i've said it and i've heard many others say it so you've won through that <laughs> you know sharing different concepts that are impactful you can change more people than you realize and actually it's funny scott ingram who gave me the opportunity to be on the podcast and at the sales summit he actually said it to me best one time it's you know you don't have to think that your knowledge or your opinion that you're sharing is like this huge epiphany you just have to realize that someone out there didn't know it or never thought mm. of that before yeah. And then when that one person does hear it for the first time, it's going to change them and their ability to execute on things. And when he said that, I totally changed my approach to speaking at the summit. And that's why I said that because I changed my intent. My intent wasn't to go out and to wow an audience. My intent was to go out and find the one person that needed to hear it. And I'll be honest, you know, I'll keep the identities private. But there's been a few people that I've had really good conversations with after that, that said, man, I thought about it. Here's how it impacted me. Here is the incredible change I've made in my life. No way. And that, wow. I mean, wow, I'm talking about people like who have changed careers, awesome. Wow. people like a 180 pivot in a career. And hmm. again, hmm. it's just like hiring friends though. I don't take it's this lightly. It's, I'm happy, but it's a burden. <laughs> So as long as people are using this power for good, you know, it can be a powerful thing. But I encountered Ikigai and that principle at a conference that had nothing to do with like development. It was an IT conference and it hit me. I was the one guy. So I figured my responsibility is to just pay it forward and to give it to that next one person. And if that's all we do in our lives, in our personal lives, in our careers, if we take something we learn and we, we thought was valuable and we just turn around and we share it, and we impact one other person, and that's our goal. Imagine how much better the world would already be just with us focusing on that. Exponentially. Yeah, I mean, you live such a fulfilled life. Because yeah, I think we, I totally sometimes get caught up, and you said it, you know, I have this imposter syndrome. Who am I to get up in front of all these like freaking top salespeople and tell you about sales? Like, who am I? You guys can all sell. I'm just a guy you know, with a few things to say, you know, like from Massachusetts, you know, I mean, who am I? I'm not, you know, some hall of famer, but you know, when you kind of break it down, like you're only, you think what you have to say could maybe help one person. And maybe if you don't even think it can help one person, but just say it's worth, you know, saying it's worth not keeping it inside, then that's the just 
the most impactful thing and the biggest battle you can wage with yourself is just saying it's worth it to share it because of even just one person. Even if I never get on a stage and talk about it, it's worth it. And I've sold myself on it, you know? Cool, cool. Well, we're kind of getting close to the end. You know, (laughs) I can't thank you enough for just kind of going through some of this stuff. I think we could talk about this topic so much. I'm really curious to kind of hear your take on how a nurse I have on the podcast, how she sells in her day-to-day and how, you know, event managers and how all the different people do it. So I think this is an ongoing conversation. So well, and thank the nurse, first of all, you know, I'm I'm thankful for everybody, but thankful for her, especially right now going through all this, you know, I've, I've seen stories, I've got family members that, you know, took one day off over four or five plus weeks to deal with all this. So hats off. I will. Yeah. She's actually my sister-in-law. She's going to be on in a couple episodes, I think, by the time this goes live. Yeah. I mean, they're doing stuff where they're putting themselves into harm's way willingly, you know, even, you know, in situations where people are not allowed, outsiders are not allowed in the hospital, except she is because she's like, well, this is just what I'm driven by to do. You know, it's, I could catch a life-threatening disease, but I know people need me. There's people that more lives will be lost if I don't show up to work today. And she still goes to work every day. Yeah, so that's it's, powerful it's, stuff. It is powerful. Yeah. So she she inspires. That's part of it. Inspires me and so many others. All of us. So okay, let's end off on something fun. As this is about humans, you know, selling is is about being human. I'm curious, just kind of something fun about the human that you are. And so my last question is just yeah, to kind of get us to know the type of person you are. So it is this. The question is, what is something or a situation that you've put yourself in that could only and would only happen to Jack Wilson? (laughs) I love it. So you told me you were going to ask me a question that would potentially like stump me. (laughs) Um, But ironically, I don't think this is the question because I've got a, a wild answer. So, and I'll go as brief as I can. Okay. Well, okay, but I, okay, I will okay. tell you that I, I grew up with single mom, only child. Mm, mm. And around when I was 19 years old, I actually found my father. So mm-hmm. using Your a birth combination, father. my birth father, oh my using goodness. a combination of like the World Wide web and, you know, at the time it was AOL with a little guy running across <laughs> rummaging through my mom's stuff like oh my goodness so not only did i i find him but we've connected and i also learned i'm getting throughout throughout (laughs) connecting with my father there was friends in my life that i had randomly come across that i'm related to that i never knew i actually went to a family reunion which i called a family union with my father and i ran into a half a dozen people that I already knew oh. at the family reunion wow. that I found out were, were relatives of mine. Yeah. That's a story. That's a story. Uh, over. Oh in. no. <laughs> You're yeah. ending off on a, this is a sequel. This might be a, this, you just might have teed up. I'm into this show Ozark on Netflix and it's like the most suspenseful every episode. It's like, no, what? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch the next one. Okay. Like black hole all night. I'm on for a binger. And you just ended it off because I have so many questions, but I can't, you know, you're going to have to tune in. 
<laughs> to, to find more. <laughs> you know, if we have you back on to talk about that, wow, man. Props for that. And just, I have nothing else to say other than that's so, you know, makes me smile. It really makes me smile because I feel like family is so important. We all need to, you know, reconcile things with people that we share blood with, no matter how hard it is, because we have so many more things in common with those people than any of us may realize. And man, that just brings a smile to my face that you did that. You bet, man. There's no, there's no wound between family that can't be healed mm, by both humans not. coming together and agreeing to do it. And, and I know personally that you know that better than probably anybody. So yes. we'll definitely talk over some bourbon uh, <laughs> about our daddy issues. <laughs> very good, very good bourbon. And, you know, father and son relationships mean so much. And, you know, it hits me hard because I recently lost mine and I think about it every day. Man, it brings me a smile when I can connect with people and talk about it and listen and, and relate because we're all we all have fathers, we all have mothers, and that's something you can really relate to someone about, no matter what your relationship is about, when you talk about your relationship with your parents. So thank you for listening to me. And man, I just want to listen to you even more. So <laughs> well, thanks for having me. This was awesome. I'm excited to hear a lot of the other episodes too. You know, I love what you're doing here. I think I think people understanding that selling is a human to human sport. And, you know, when you're in non-sales roles, you can actually take some of those lessons and, and be better at being you, at being whatever your profession is. And I'm all about it. I think you're on to something really big here. Yeah, we'll see where this goes. I'm just following my curiosity and letting that lead me to my ikigai. <laughs> I love it. Two drinks, two drinks in one episode. Cheers. <laughs> all right, man. Well, thank you so much, Jack Wilson. You are amazing. And I learned so much for you and I'm so grateful for knowing you. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. Thank you too. Thanks for being there and, and being a friend. All right. Likewise. See you, Jack. Take care. Hey, gang. All right. Wow. You made it to the end. I know your time is valuable, so thank you from the bottom of my heart for spending your time here with me. If you heard a quote you liked, got a quick bit of value, or you have an idea that can help convince others to join, I urge you to take a minute and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps us gain influence and bring some really great guests on to add even more value to you and others. You can also always contact me directly to tell me your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. All my info is in the notes. Let's help convince anyone that they have the ability to sell well just by being great humans. And this podcast is proof. All right, see you on the next episode of Stories of Selling Humans.